This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And the Bulldog. I, I don't think that's a very good attitude. It's Mike Shope. You don't think? You don't You don't think? But I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? It's the Bulldog. I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. Why don't you go to hell? No, you go to hell. While you're there, why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And the Bulldog on WGR Sports Radio 550. I know Trista Crick told us yesterday it was not Tuesday, the week before the Super Bowl, too early for prop bet talk. But um, today they are flying around. I mean, it, it, it definitely isn't too early today. <laughs> okay. Will an unauthorized person enter the field of play? Gender of unauthorized person. Is it ever a woman running around on the field that jumps over the fence? Not since the days of Morgana, the kissing bandit oh. in baseball. Has the show uh, ever sounded old? Have we, have we had a, a female perpetrator violating the sanctity of the playing field? I, I shouldn't say. There probably have been other female protesters over the years, but um, it's generally d- drunk men, often without shirts. I don't see a prop on the uh, the BAC of the unauthorized person on the field, the blood alcohol content. Uh, is it rude to ask Jeremy Kahn if he goes back? Did, did the name Morgana, the kissing bandit, maybe put a smile <laughs> yeah. on your face, Jeremy? Or is... Absolutely. She'd oh. be bouncing around all over the place. Yeah, Morgana, nice gal, right? Yeah. So. Morgana. Football, too. Football, too, yeah. Morgana. She uh, covered all the sports. I don't remember her ever on a football field. I, I trust you that it happened, but I, I just see her chasing George Brett in my George in my Brett. <laughs> just... That's so good. That's so good. All right. Welcome, Jeremy. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. Odyssey bros here hanging out. Um, we'll, we'll ask you, Jeremy, like just how the pain that Ravens fans are feeling might be relatable to Bills fans. I mean, they're, they're a little different. Ball, it was, this was really Baltimore's year for the most part, and so that, that's got to make it hurt. Well, it's kind of weird. It's, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it's been a roller coaster ride after – the loss and then you know the pain of that and then all of a sudden the Orioles are sold and then it's like hey you're happy and then all of a sudden your defensive coordinator is gone and I you know we can touch on everything but yeah look in all honesty um you know I, I'm not a homer here at all and and like I, I know it's good for business and everything and I pull for the Ravens because it's great for my city um but it's it's just funny looking at the team because I really thought this was a special team when you looked at what they were doing offensively and defensively and for everything to come to a screeching halt against a Kansas City team that 
you got them on, you know, they're on back-to-back road games. They've, they had the, the freezing cold game, and they come to Buffalo and escape out of there with a win. And it's just like everything kind of fell apart. We kept saying it's not like both the defense and the offense weren't going to show up on the same day. And all Kansas City needed was those first two drives, really. And uh, you look at how the rest of the game plays out. So, yeah, it, was, it felt like a big kick in the pills. Um, and, and we don't know what the team's going to look like next year. Right. Yeah, we're going through the same thing here. And, you know, the, the Chiefs themselves, um, I know the way we viewed it, even, even you know, before the, you know, as the playoffs were beginning, before the wild card round even, I, I was saying this is the Bills' best look at it. In part, that was because the Chiefs, it's not to disregard the Ravens. That was always going to be, that's a goal. Let's see if we can get to Baltimore, and then we'll deal with that. But Kansas City's not what they've been. No Joe Burrow on the scene. That certainly is pertinent for you guys in Baltimore yeah. with being in the division. So you've got, so you get the record, you, you get the one, you get the bye, you're rested and everything. It's just, when are you going to have a better chance to beat that team? That's how we felt two weeks ago, and I'll bet that's how a lot of you guys feel right now. Yeah, I think we said if not now, when so many times this week leading up to it. Like, you know, you're not going to have a better situation to get there and um, and, and win this game. And, and looking at, you know, it's kind of odd to look at the Chiefs too because, you know, hats off to them for uh, probably having their worst offensive season, maybe one of their best defensive seasons and still finding a way to, to get back in the game. But, God, am I tired of seeing them. Um, but, but uh, you know, it, it's just it's interesting to just think about where the Ravens were and, and, and what could have happened because – you know, now you're losing your defensive coordinator, who I think is an absolute genius, and Seattle got themselves a gem. But now you're picking up these pieces of, of what could have been, and then you look back in the game, and, and, and we've all had those games where you're like, hey, there's the effort play. I don't know what Lamar saw in that play, and then the strip sack could happen at any time. Somebody trying to make a bigger play downfield, and honestly, on that play, Rashad Bateman was wide open for a touchdown, or Lamar could have took off and ran, you know? So yeah. didn't see enough of that in the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I don't watch him as closely as you do, but I watch him very closely. And it's always the thing for me with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Jeremy, is he going to run all out in this game? And in the second half against Houston, I mean, I thought that that was like, obviously, okay, that's him. And Mm -hmm. the second play, Bulldog is probably sick of me mentioning this by now, but (laughs) the second play of this game Sunday, he scrambles right, he gets about to the line of scrimmage, and he's looking back and around, and he slides. And I'm just like, this. It's it's the AFC Championship. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a little unfair, but um, make your make your statement, right? You get the ball first. Make your statement. You're Lamar Jackson, and he's just going to the ground like you know Flacco would have. Yeah, there's no question. And and like we were we were wondering about it too. I mean, there's the clip now that leaked out from I think the first quarter that Lamar even responded to of Odell telling him to take off, like you know. Um, it's your moment or, or whatever he said mm-hmm. to him. But exactly. you know, it, it's, it's interesting, too, because, like, you know, I don't know if, if maybe listening to people too much talking about that, oh, you can't throw the football, you can't do this, that, you know, it's, it's some of the, one of those things where you want to prove every single person wrong. And I'm not saying that's what happened in the AFC Championship. I'm saying I think cumulative over the, over the years watching him, he's, he hasn't run as much. He's picked his spots. I just thought there were a lot of great spots in this game to take off and run. And, and you know, there were some boneheaded moves. Like, you know, why didn't the offensive coordinator tell him to throw it back to himself again? They picked up, what, 13 yards to play? <laughs> he could have taken that for a touch. That's all I wanted. Like, I wanted some weird moment like that in history. So, but anyway, you know. Yeah. And one play from that great Ravens defense, you know, one game-changing play, 
uh, I don't know, probably taking a little too far here, being critical with as well as they did. But that's really to the Chiefs' credit, I think, that, you know, and, and other than the Hardman fumble at the one here, Jeremy, like yeah. really very clean through three games. Yeah. You know, it's, and, you know, like it, it is funny to look at the how everything kind of played out because. I mean, I don't just say this because I'm one in Buffalo. Like, you're one of the other teams that I kind of just pull for. Like, I just – I like the team. I like the way everything's constituted. I feel, you know, the city – I think there's some similarities, um, although very dangerous down here at times. Um, but, you know, like it's it, – we've got family members that are from Buffalo. So, when you look at it and how the playoffs played out, it's pulling for you guys, and then here comes the old Chiefs. Like, here's Kelsey again. Here's Rasheed Rice. We know we're going to him. And I, I was saying the same thing when – they're coming to Baltimore, and it's like we got this great defensive mind, and it's like, well, wait a minute, are they dinking and dunking to death by a thousand paper cuts? They they literally threw like seven screens on the first two drives, yeah. and all they did was pick up six and seven yards. And I mean, that's the that's the decider in the game too. I mean, you think about it, that those two drives won the game. Right. So, so how, how, what what explanation, if you've settled on on one or, or a few that maybe fit together, do do you like best for why the, the they went away from handing the ball off to running backs so much uh, in you know, this game? Because that's the thing we've probably touched on the most in this game is that it seemed kind of out of character for them. Yeah, and, and the numbers are outrageous when you look at it of all the teams in, in, in the history of the playoffs that had this type of rushing style that were, I mean, they're ranking dead, dead last in the opportunities that they took or the carries. And it, it's just such a strange thing to look at and say, well, wait a minute, you get in the game, what's going on? And the same thing happened in 2019 against the Titans where they have this unbelievable rushing offense and they come out there and you're like, why are they still throwing the football? It's a one score game. Like go back to what got you here and what you've been good at keeping them off the field and wearing them out. And that's what they've done all year long. And it's just kind of strange to see that your two running backs each got three carries. Like Mm. really they picked up 21 yards on three carries and he can't get another touch. I, I just didn't get it. Good thing they grabbed Dalvin Cook for all this, that they are not going to hand the ball off, you know. Yeah, he got his, what, three or four carries in, uh, against Houston, Houston at the end of the game. Right. Yeah. I, I thought I was so smart betting him to score the last touchdown of the game Sunday because Baltimore wins, and then it's Dalvin Cook at the end to tack one on. Well, it was never a great bet. I was wrong on, on everything Sunday, so I, I mean, there's not much I can say. Yeah. Jeremy Kahn with us at Con Sports on Twitter. X, as Bulldog calls it, 105.7 The Fan. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to keep going to it. I'm going to keep going to it. <laughs> you, you, you do what you got to do. You know, on, on the lack of handoffs, is there any chance to you, Jeremy, that they themselves, the Ravens, got caught up in, we've got the MVP at quarterback? Like, we spend a lot of time here in Buffalo, especially after the coordinator change, they became kind of run-heavy. And we're a little bewildered because Josh Allen is, you know, he's an MVP caliber player. He hasn't won it yet, but he's, you know, he's in the mix year in, year out now for a few years running. And we want to lean on him. And here are the Ravens that that, that haven't asked Lamar to do as much of that. Um, And I don't know, did they maybe get caught up in we've got this guy so we should showcase it or something? I mean, I I don't know. I'm I'm reaching, I think. Yeah, um, no, I think there's – I mean, I think there's something there. It could also be, you know, when you're – as an offensive coordinator and we're sitting here talking about going back to Greg Roman in 2019 when they did the same exact thing and John Harbaugh said the same exact thing after the game, like, oh, we got to look at it, the game flow, and this is how things happen, and we're just going to have to take a look at it. Yeah, we want to run the ball more. And then literally says the same thing after this game when the same exact thing happens. And what I think it is is you're seeing eight and nine-man fronts and you're trying to take advantage of 
things on the outside and you're being deceived at times. It's not what you think. And I think maybe they're confusing them at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's more that we'll have to look at with the all 22, because there's no other reason to really get caught up in those games and throw, um, you know, to, to just become a team that's all of a sudden throwing the football. When the history of the league tells you when, when the Ravens are running the ball 20 or more times, they don't lose. <laughs> they win the game when they run it 20 or more times. And I know, look, there's, there's some stretching there. When you start looking at when you're ahead in the fourth quarter, you're going to run sure. the football, obviously, but, but there's, there's something to be said about it. So I, I don't know why they get away from it. Um, the one constant's been John Harbaugh. You know, there's been a lot of talk of that around here, especially with Mike McDonald leaving. And um, I don't, he's not going anywhere. He's a great coach, but you know, it's kind of been the one constant when we go back and look at those things and you can throw Lamar Jackson in there as well. I think he might be the second oldest coach in the league now, Harbaugh. Wow. Like, there, there are five coaches in the league now, 60 and up, and two of them are Harbaugh's. Which they, wow. they're young looking guys, and I don't know, like that's a little bit sort of throws me to think of that. But Belichick leaves, at least temporarily. Pete Carroll, Andy Reid is the oldest. And then um, we get pretty soon you get to John Harbaugh. Jeremy, so the, the question what, where you and I, Baltimore and Buffalo, us, I mean, are similar at this stage here early in the offseason is trying to figure out how to be different so you can win this time. And not, not an easy question. I mean, the Bills in their. To their part, they have big salary cap challenges this year, an aging team, especially on defense. It's hard for me to imagine they're going to look better on paper going into next season than they have. What what about Baltimore, which had a better season than even the Bills? Um, Is it reasonable? Can they run it back, so to speak, here, Jeremy? Or how hard will that be to do? Yeah, look, I, I think they can get back and they will be in that mix um, just because, I mean, the, the key is if, if Lamar stays healthy, I, I think they're a playoff caliber team every single year, year in and year out. Um, I think more highly of them than, than most people. But, you know, like, honestly, when you um, when you look at the situation where they're at, they're, they're, they're going to have to franchise Justin Matabike. You can't let that guy walk what he's doing. He's, he's like, a, I don't want to even say a mini Aaron Donald, but there's a lot of comparisons there when you watch what they do in rushing the quarterback. So they don't want to let him walk. They've got to make decisions on a team like Geno Stone, who had all the interceptions at the beginning of the year. I, I w- he'll probably end up in Seattle, or some of these Ravens will. Patrick Queen, there's no way the Ravens are paying two off-the-ball linebackers that type of money to stay here. He's going to walk. And then making decisions on keeping the dead cap money with Ronnie Stanley. You could potentially lose four offensive linemen with Tyler Lindebaum being the one guy you expect to be there. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of decisions to make here in Baltimore and see which direction they go. And they are cap-strapped. Um, Eric DeCosta is one of the best GMs in football. He'll figure it out, but um, and I don't think Odell Beckham is going to be back personally. Right. I don't. I mean, that's probably fine, though, right? I mean, that was. I, the, he looked dusty. He yeah. He looked dusty at the end. Yeah. The idea was save him for the playoffs. I'm not sure they really saved him. I mean, didn't didn't really take off. You mentioned Bateman on that one play. What happened to Bateman? Like, is is he just out of favor, or is it like? I mean, I know he's had injuries, but. This year wasn't that, at least mostly. How come he didn't rate better? Don't know. I mean, look, he and Lamar could not get on the same page this year. And depending on who you talk to, they'll blame one or the other. Um, and and I know ba- it, it, from the sounds of it and things that have happened, it doesn't sound like Bateman's happy. And I don't know if we'll run into another Hollywood situation in the offseason or anything like that. He hasn't shown any of that type of potential but where he wants to leave. But he has been open. He's been running great routes. Um, I know he's coming back from an injury, but for a guy that you drafted in the first round, you didn't. He didn't get many targets, and they kept saying they were trying to ramp that up throughout the the season, and it just never happened. 
So what is the, the path forward at D coordinator with McDonald leaving after just two years there? Um, is there is there an in-house replacement? Do they go shopping around? And how big of a deal is it that they that they find the right guy? Look, they, they've usually um, kind of – I don't want to say they've produced great defensive coordinators here, but, look, they've spent a lot of money on that side of the ball and guys have had success there. And it's, I feel like when, think, when people think about Baltimore, they've always thought defense first. Um, maybe things will change in the future. I don't know. But uh, this team has Zach Orr, who was a former player, that they think could kind of step into that role possibly. Anthony Weaver's another guy who he's been out getting some job interviews. Uh, there's a handful of guys they like on the defensive side of the ball, but the question I would have, too, is with Mike McDonald going to Seattle, is there a handshake agreement that he doesn't take any of the coaches here? You know, is there a trickle-down effect? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to worry about those things, but, uh, you know, I said it a couple times. I think Mike McDonald is one of these young defensive geniuses. He did, uh, yeah, look, Jadavian Clowney, and, and when you look at, uh, you know, some of the other guys that were bringing in here that were getting sacks because of this defense, I don't think it was just necessarily talent. I think it was a lot of scheme. So I think Seattle's getting a good one. How do you yeah. feel? How do you feel, Jeremy, about teams like the Seahawks here hiring defensive coordinators? We have the the debate that won't end until either a Super Bowl or there's a coaching change in Buffalo. Just whether or not you're stuck, so to speak, by hiring having a defensive coordinator type defensive side of the ball guy as your head coach. Like if you were Washington at this point, with seemingly the top candidates mostly if not entirely being defensive coaches, even after this move by Seattle, what should they do? Yeah, it's it's weird for me because, like, the the thought process has always been about these young, offensive-minded guys. And, like, if I hired a defensive-minded guy like that, I would want to hand my offense over to somebody that you could really trust. Um, And if you have somebody on that staff or finding someone. Because, honestly, you know, like, I I look here and seeing Mike McDonald leave, I just don't want to see a situation, and this isn't me trying to diminish anything Harbaugh's done, but – in the Washington days when they had Jay Gruden, go look at that coaching staff, and all of them have gone on <laughs> to tremendous success except for Jay. And it's like you guys had the wrong one and you let everybody else walk. Um, I just think this, for the first time in a long time, guys that have come through, like, I, you know, I thought um, you know, defensive coordinator uh, Wink, Wink Martindale that just left and went to the Giants, thought he was really good. But, like, I think this guy's special. So, um, you know, hats off to Seattle again for getting somebody good. But, again, they're going to have to find somebody, I think, too, to handle that offensive side and, and someone you trust um, and, and let that go. Because it's weird here in Baltimore with Harbaugh being a special teams guy. It's almost like how much control does he have on the offense and defense? Is he a little bit more hands-off? And just I feel like I'm doing an office thing here with Michael Scott. You're going to do heavy lifting and you're going to do big <laughs> projects, you know. Um, but, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was the situation. But, uh but, yeah, I think it's a tough decision, but I would hire somebody that offensively that you really trust with that that group and, and run with it. Yeah, Bulldog, we did 2013 Washington staff yesterday or the day before, and yeah. just it's McVay, Shanahan, of course. This is Mike Shanahan still in charge that season, but I think we counted six current NFL head coaches who were assistants uh, on that staff, is it maybe Canales? Was he there? I don't know. It's like there were there was a pretty good list. Was it Mike McDaniel there? Mike yeah, McDaniel, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and then you've got uh, was a coordinator in Cincinnati, I think, um, or the head coach there now, Zach. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on names, guys. It's been a long. Zach day. Taylor, yeah. Callahan, yeah. maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, before you go, uh, you you slipped in a reference to the Orioles earlier, mm-hmm. and I'm curious about this. I was in Rochester in the '90s when Angelos took over. Uh, in Baltimore, and like it just from the outside is always or mostly seemed just disastrous, but then they got good, 
And I wonder if like how it compares with Daniel Snyder selling. Like, is it euphoria among Orioles fans, or is it maybe has that changed because of their recent success? Yeah, I don't want to compare them to Snyder, but there is euphoria here today. Um, and I know it's going to take a while for the whole official thing to kind of pass over. It's kind of a weird situation where they actually have to wait for Peter Angelos to die, who, you know, he has dementia, and, and that's one of the reasons why the kids kind of took over the team. Um, so they don't have to pay this gigantic tax bill. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird situation there, so they're going to slowly take over, but they'll be in control. But everybody was celebrating. They loved it. Peter Angelos, I almost feel like he came in and spent all this money when he took over the team and wanted to show everybody it failed, and then they spent more money and threw instead of actually finding the problem and building it back up like we're doing now or have done now, just threw money at the problem. And then finally it's like, why, am I, why do I keep spending all this money if it's not working? And then we got into one of these situations where we just became this seller-dweller team um, until, you know, they finally started to figure some things out in the front office. But, would, um, but yeah, fans were so so damn happy today. Would you care for a short Orioles story from the 90s, one experience I had? With the, the Red Wings were their affiliate for many, like decades. And it was always very special. Rochester t- had a lot of pride in that. And the Orioles, like major league teams would do in those days, visit their AAA club, right? So this was like at the end of that. In fact, I had heard that maybe this this one year, maybe 97 or thereabouts, was going to be the last time because the players didn't want to come up. Oh, and, wow. and so here was the game. They did make the trip, packed house for Ripken. I mean, Ripken played in Rochester, like just fate, stars. And yeah. top of the first, Ripken might have been Brady Anderson, Ripken and Albert Bell, one, two, three, to start the game, top of the first. And everybody, like, standing ovation for Cal. He strikes out, and Bell is in the on-deck circle with the jacket on, right? Okay, fine, it's summer, but okay. And so everybody boos Albert Bell, because they did that everywhere, when Ripken strikes out, and Bell goes to bat, he doesn't take the jacket off. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. Ever. And so he struck out too, and Ripken, I think, but also Bell, they didn't take the field. Like they were done. So, man, I, I've seen some things here in Baltimore. I mean, hell, I almost, it's a story for another day, but I almost got in a fist fight with Eric Bedard at a local bar just because he was being a jackass. And, you know, like I've had some weird run ins here, and then hearing some of the stories from, from players, um, uh, you know, with the, the great Earl Weaver stories that oh. some of those just can't be beat. And, um, you know, even a- having a chance to spend some time with Brooks Robinson and hear all those stories, just incredible, man. So there's a lot of history here with baseball. And, the like, you know, you got passionate fans up north there. It's the same thing. It's these diehard baseball fans that just want to see a good baseball team, and we'll come out, we'll pay our money, just spend what it takes to win. Right. Thanks for indulging me with the, letting me yeah. go on that. Uh, always a pleasure, Jeremy. Thanks for your time. Anytime, guys. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, Odyssey Station, at J. Kahn, C-O-N-N, Sports. Yeah. Lo- lo- I, I'm, I love that they're good again. The it Orioles. was such a great story last year, the Orioles, yeah. And, that I mean, the ballpark is, you know, it's like one of the first, if not the first, of the, the new template, right? The downtown, smaller, it's, it's such a great spot. I, I haven't traveled around extensively uh, to baseball parks like I like I did 20 years ago, but man, I it's on the list. I, I want to get back there so badly. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I, I just love the, the, the whole area around the ballpark is great. Love it. Thanks again to Jeremy Kahn. We'll look for your phone calls coming up. Wide open the rest of the day, 803-0550. The offseason is here talking about different ideas for the Bills you know, staff, of course, has been news. Rookies at the Senior Bowl, the draft, all of it on the table here. Mike Schopen, the Bulldog. This is WGR. Roman Wilson from Michigan. Every time I looked, he was getting open. He was winning vertically. He was winning horizontally. He was probably the smoothest player in terms of running routes. And then on the other side, in the next practice, it was Lad McConkey. Both of these guys just consistently got open, created separation, and were getting it done on the field, catching the ball, Getting it low, getting it high, getting it all over the place for some of them. Senior Bowl week. Guys creating buzz. That's Jordan Vanek from the 33rd team. Roman Wilson, Lad McConkey. Get to know these names. As wide receiver fever mm-hmm. is rampant. This may be as close to, okay, everybody's on board for like a first-round pick plan uh than ever mm-hmm. right like the last few years to varying degrees we've pushed this idea wanted it but um this year and the the maybe the the reason why it won't be close to unanimous if it isn't is because the bills will like hide and poyer the bills will lose bodies right. uh defensively but is there really gonna is, is it is it a makeable argument I guess it has to be. I guess it has to be that they should go defense in round one. Is that a makeable argument? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some of the some of the receivers in recent years, even last year, Tank Dell is the one who comes right to mind. I mean, it's convenient you pick the the, the best of the non first day receivers um, who smashed. Like the the depth of the call. I'll bet once we get into you know, this season really in earnest and talking with, you know, I don't know if we'll get Trapasso back every week like we did in the month leading up to the draft, but I'm sure we'll talk to Chris at some point here and lots of other draft experts. And the depth of the class at receiver will be something that's highlighted, I'm sure. Right. Um, so that's maybe where you start, right? You can find value later so you don't have to go at the high end. And there is – 
absolutely going to be needs on defense. I mean, I think you can make a case for, depending on what happens with Daquan Jones especially, if they retain him, then the idea of drafting a defensive tackle to me would be insane. You just committed to Oliver, and if you commit to Jones, if you can afford to do that, then great. If you don't have him and all these other cats are free agents, like, sure, you can supplement that position the way they did in the first place a couple of years ago with Settle and Jones. Um, but you could easily make the case, like, draft the best defensive tackle available. Maybe at that point in the draft you've got to look at the second or third best one, I don't know, at 28. Um, edge rusher with Epinesa's contract up, and if he gets a big deal somewhere else, um, Von Miller's age, Leonard Floyd's a free agent. Like th- th- those are that, that's just up front. Then you get to the back end. I mean, I don't know. People sort of, I think, ha- over the years have felt to my ears, and then I, I guess I'm I'm mostly in line with this. Uh, safety is not a premium position, so don't draft it early. It's a little like running back on on defense. Uh, but at 28, like you could make the case if there's, you know, what the, the the first or second best safety in the draft still available that late, that that's a position of need. Um, and I'll just I'll figure out my receivers. But I, I I feel like yes, I think the majority of fans will be at receiver. Uh, I certainly was last year. The year before, I would have liked it a lot. But I thought their need at corner, which led them to pick Elam, was so glaring that I couldn't really get all the way to the you – know, I, missed, I missed the wide receiver train uh, two years ago because it just didn't feel like a train worth getting on. Um, I didn't think, you know, we were going to you know, say all we want about how they have a need and you got to do it and this is the league this, you know, in this era. But they had a crying need at corner and they addressed it. I think you can say, with all that said, I'm saying a lot here mm. – I think you can now make, I think I already said this when the season ended, the same case you made about corner two years ago, you can make that case at receiver now. I mean, a guy that's on the field all the time for them is likely to leave as a free agent, and they do not have an in-house replacement. So, I mean, you better do something. Would you give any thought to re-signing him, Davis? I mean, it would have to be way below what I think his – the last time I looked at Track, what their estimated value on him is, is like maybe it was $13.6 million a year is what I have in my head. And I'm not going near that. I don't even want to go to $10 million for him. So, you know, like if they had all the money in the world, I wouldn't love the idea of spending that much on him. Uh, recognizing his his you know he has had value he's not you know it might sound like I hate this player I just don't think he's that well rounded a player and I don't want to pay the going rate for a number two wideout in free agency for him like I just I just don't want to do it and I wouldn't want to do it if I had fifty million dollars in cap money laying around which you don't so right and I definitely I've got the opposite of that. Um, you know, I'm like 43 million in the, in, you know, in the red. No, I, I just, I, no, I, I don't, I don't think it's realistic and I wouldn't want to commit any kind of money to him. I've told you this and I know how you reacted. I remember how you reacted of wide receivers hitting free agency. There are quote bargain basement type guys. I mean, the bills just did some of that and maybe that's what they're resigned to. 
But one player I think rates higher than that that might be affordable and I like how he might fit is Hollywood Brown. Coming off a year where he was hurt, he, he played through an injury until they shut him down late. It was not a productive season for him, but 26, fast, he has the big play piece. I guess you have to always ask about durability, but I think he might be a great idea. And doesn't have to, he's not going to be on the T. Higgins level, you know, financially. Not many people are. I mean, that's, no, that that's might right. be number I mean, one. T- yeah, T. Higgins has been a number two receiver, but he's a number one receiver in waiting. And uh, if he hits the market, if Cincinnati does not franchise him, I think he'll get paid. I mean, he, 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 I would if he hits the market, he gets the biggest receiver free agent contract this offseason. I think like, probably. Yeah, maybe by maybe yeah. Um, who does if he doesn't? Mike Evans, but Mike Evans is thirty. Um, Calvin Ridley, also older. I think it might. Michael Pittman could be the the answer yeah. if it's not Higgins. P- yeah. He's good. Yeah, he is good. Um, yeah, to me, Higgins. If there if there's a team out there that has the cap room that wants a number one wideout, you know, they may not be a playoff team at this point. Uh, I I think somebody commits like thirty plus million a year. If he hits the market, wow! Like okay. that's that's the number, right? I mean, that's number one receiver money at this point. I think isn't Diggs like about? I'm, I'm talking like you know cap number average over mm-hmm, the lifetime mm-hmm. of the contract. I think Diggs is at 27 or something. Um, so yeah, I think that's where you're at with receivers. Some uh, former Bills on this list of UFA to be wide receivers: Marquise Goodwin, Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Hanging on to 33. Wow. Jameson Crowder. Oh, my Lord. Wow. <laughs> wow. Former Bill. That's, yeah. all we're, that's all we're saying here. Former Bill. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Isaiah McKenzie. He was available at the end of the season, wasn't he? Yeah, the Colts fired him and, yeah. an, and a teammate. They just kicked him yeah. off the team yeah. for whatever behavior. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm not sure I see any others. You're right. I don't love the Hollywood Brown idea. Um, I just I've never really warmed up to him as a prospect, even coming out in the draft. And that you know that, <laughs> that doesn't have to mean much at all. Um, you know, I, I, I maybe I should like, go under the hood and really look into what sort of player we're talking about. I wonder if if the price is right. Like if you're if you're if you're correct in like it's a good you know for for a a buyer it's a good time to be shopping for him mm-hmm. he, he's he's on the down um, and maybe you can buy the bounce back that might be worth doing but again like the money is going to be super key to that and I even a player that young that has had the production he's had when healthy to me might still get. I don't know, like just more than I'm comfortable paying. More than I think the Bills are going to be comfortable paying anyone in free agency. More than Davis, which might say it all. You know, right. like yeah, if you're not going to go forward with Davis, who should cost less, I think, than Marquise Brown, then maybe you can't have Marquise Brown. That's what I would say sitting here right now. Um, I, I just would be surprised if they can appropriate that much money to a second wide receiver. Okay, so it's back. I, I want to take this back to where we were, like before four o'clock, which is running back. Then I've got two tight ends that are locked in, Diggs, and I've got a hole 
at the other position. I rolled into the playoffs running the ball a lot. Cook is two years into his career. Maybe a higher priority, given the circumstances, is a compliment to him. And the market is flooded with experienced running backs that are not likely to make it big here money-wise at this stage of their careers. Because we all know the the, declining value of running backs. What happens to Saquon Barkley? What happens to Derrick Henry? What happens to Josh Jacobs? Franchise tag, you know, franchise player or players, you know, you know the names, there's more. What Austin Eckler, what happens to these guys? Like, are they just out of the league? Is, is it a four-net situation where you're going to look at tape and be like, doesn't have it? Um, I think those guys would all outrank where four-net was going into this past I, offseason. I agree with that. Eckler is the trickiest one because he really seemed to slow down. And there's a lot of miles there. I mean, he has been ridden hard and put away wet. For his size, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd be, I'd be very nervous about him. It, it, like, you know, within reason. I mean, you know, what is the like, big, you know, commitment-wise? Uh, but if it's, you know, the right, the right price. Um, but again, like when we talked about this earlier, I think for their cap situation, I, I might be just as inclined to go back to Latavius Murray, Damian Harris types that price point and i really i know what the we'll see what the market is for any of those guys maybe eckler because of his age and the wear and tear is the most likely to be a guy that could be available late at a cheap rate but i think even barkley jacobs any of these guys that are still you know they're they're not they're not on the wrong side of 30 yet i mean they're close and i wouldn't want to commit big to them I, I feel like they're they're probably going to be too expensive for my taste anyway, even if it's half of what they thought they could get on the open market two years ago. Does so, that make sense? It's so interesting what the market will think of them. Like, Jacobs is 25. Right. So, he'll be 26, you know, like, in two weeks. But, yeah, no, definitely not 30. Um, Barkley, I didn't really think this year that Barkley looked done or anything. I mean, their offense was so bad. So many Singletary and Moss, DeAndre Swift, Gus Edwards, Dobbins off the Achilles tear, Antonio Gibson. They're, these are all different levels of player, but right, yeah, I could totally see the Bills. You know, you, you of course you know I'm going to say this. Wanting Derrick Henry. Now he made he, he was twelve point five million last year, and that's not going to play. For the Bills, no, no, but maybe it's not a maybe it's not a great fit. Cook I, exists, yeah. Cook, Cook is, Cook, I mean, Cook was excellent. Was he? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yards after contact on receptions, he rates highly. He was what? What did he rate in the league? Just raw rushing. Like he was. He was. That, they, they are not going to pay Derrick Henry even half of that twelve and a half million. And I'm going to be, you know, we'll see about the running back market. I'd be surprised if any of those guys sign for less than $5 million a year. How much does the – they sign a running back. Murray is the oldest oldest running back in the league. Ty Johnson was okay. Maybe they liked him so much that yeah. they won't. But how much does the number two running back on the Bills make? $2 million. All right. Tops, to me. Like, I, I, I don't know that, that – they, they – 
I know why you you say what you say about they, they would love Derrick Henry or Barkley or one of these guys. Um, I just don't think it's realistic financially, unless the unless the market completely. I mean, eventually someone gave Delvin Cook ten million dollars, didn't they? Eight or ten, right? Jets. So, wow, was that ever was that ever bad? I, yeah, everybody knew that was bad except and, the Jets. And, and maybe that's a reason why another team won't do that with any of these guys this off season. Um, but man, but I, I just I'd be surprised if they settled for like the kind of money that I'm willing to. I don't know what the Bills are willing to spend. I, I don't want to spend more than two million bucks on a backup running back. What the hell am I doing? You sound you sound right to me. I think that sounds right. Cook was the like the least efficient running Dalvin Cook was like the least efficient running back in the league. That's why everybody thought, no way, don't pay him right. anything. Right. And you saw how it went. Whereas guys like Barkley and Jacobs, you know, still impress. Yep. So they're not Dalvin Cook. Maybe Elliott is Dalvin Cook, right? Where just like, <laughs> come on, it's yep. it's over. Yep. Yep. Mike Shope and the Bulldog. We'll look for your calls next at 803-0550. This is WGR. Yes, welcome back. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog here. Hanging out, processing, forecasting, rehashing, but not reliving. You don't, you don't want to relive these losses. You want to remember them, learn from them, Bulldog. Learn from them. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're all about teachable moments. Teachable moments. Yes. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Yes, exactly. Rob is next. Hello, Rob. Hey, appreciate guys. Uh, appreciate you guys. Excuse me, taking my call. I just wanted to say I, I listen to you guys all the time. I was looking to get um, your opinion on this topic. It was right after the playoff loss. Uh, most recently, uh, you guys basically had a caller that his his overall premise was that he was wondering if the Bagulas were kind of just complacent and okay with being okay was basically his um, his premise. And Mike, you pushed back on it and, and said that there's really no evidence of that. And, and McDermott has won. Um, so much that the Bagulas are not thinking about it. And, and I agree that I, I know that the Bagulas are definitely not thinking about it because obviously he's still the coach. My question, and I was looking to get your opinion, was how long is this, you know, going to be just the status quo? Like how long does McDermott get to tie up Josh Allen's prime because of the fact that I kind of agreed with the caller. I, I've, I've really speculated for a long period of time that because of the, the culture that Sean McDermott changed when he got to the team and obviously coming from the frat house with Rex Ryan, that he might just, in fact, be okay with being a playoff and then, you know, quote-unquote Super Bowl contender. But I'm just wondering how long does that leash extend because we're now, what, entering year seven or eight for, for McDermott? And I don't know really, you know, how much longer he should deserve to get him. I'm not a McDermott you know, supporter, quote-unquote, but I just wanted to get both of your opinions because I remember right after the playoff loss that you were quick, Mike, to kind of push back on that call and just say that there's really no evidence of it. But I, I kind of feel like there's a there, there's a tinge of just he's okay with just being, you know, a contender. We're going to the playoffs. We're a respectable coach, and that's not enough. Mm-hmm. 
it's I, it's you're, we're going into year eight, and I don't know about complacency. Like, if I remember the caller correctly, and maybe Mike, you remember, remember better than me. If you want to take over, that's fine. But like, I don't think seven, I do. They, they, they've been better than just okay. Yeah. Is the thing they have been excellent, and that I just don't think should be taken for granted. I I, I recognize the flaws. Um, or you know the the perceived flaws and the concerns, but the, the it, it's been working. You're 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 there, um, and I don't know. Like is McDermott as the coach? Are are you hanging this game against Kansas City two weeks ago on him? Like I mean, you can. He's the head coach. I mean, he'll tell you it all starts and ends with him. But I, I mean, I I I don't know, man. I, I'm just I, – I don't think it's realistic, but I also wouldn't support it either, the, like changing him. So, I don't know. I, I flippantly, when somebody called and brought this up, um, maybe it was even before the Kansas City game, but probably not because nobody was talking about making big changes. You said like two how much, years. Just like- how much longer? And I, sa- I, I said two years. I wasn't yes. kidding. I mean, it might have sounded fl- flippant, and it, it kind of was, but I don't know. I, I – Two more years. <laughs> if I keep getting that close, I'm not going to be inclined to make a move on the guy. I don't remember the conversation Rob is asking about, but I know what I think. And it's just a guess like most people would only be able to have. But if asked, I would say that my guess about what Terry Pagula thinks of firing Sean McDermott is somewhere in the neighborhood of WTF are you talking about? I, th- I think that's – my guess would be you you can't be serious, you know? Think of the Sabres, too. I'm not sure it's right to bring them up. But one team has had a ton of success. And this is where Bulldogs stuff about, like, Chiefs or Ravens helps because the Ravens couldn't beat them either. And you would sooner anoint the Chiefs than – rip the Ravens or the Bills for not being able to do it. I think. I think most people would do it, would say that. So if you're one of these teams that can't beat Mahomes and Reed, what do you what do you have to say? Like should you just turn it sideways? Because I know there are a lot of people who would. But my guess has always been that I think Pagula would find the idea ridiculous. What I said all year, just quickly we'll break we could talk about this some more because I think this is still the thing fans want to talk about the most. Uh, I think. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> no. I looked at the clock. I'm like, shut up, Mike. You got to go. We well, just take, we just take let's the take the break. Yeah. Group. Yeah. <laughs> like rattled. Yeah. Shope rattled by the clock. You know, I got to be okay. careful criticizing players for being rattled by the clock. It just happened to me. It's like that time you hung up on Pagula. It's so like that. <laughs> Thanks. It's so like that. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog. We'll get back into it after sports on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 